Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert. So drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. I always listen to that intro and think I must be some kind of crazy driver because it's all like throwing it into gear. There's green flags, pedal to the metal. You um, are a crazy driver. Am I? Yes. You think so? <laughs> Love driving with you, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm good with light. Uh, I'm not very good with sort of light small cars like Miata. But because of my time... Uh, for 911 driving the F1, F350 turbo diesel. I'm much better with heavier vehicles. Yes, I me, know this. You me, have, have we had experience of sliding a truck around somewhere? Um, no, it was more like coffee in my lap. Oh. You're really great with oh, brakes. I'm sorry. <laughs> my, uh, brakes should only be need, used in a case of emergency. That's, that's you would think. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, mustard emergency if I use your brakes. <laughs> Jen's here in the studio, our auto expert uh, today, and also joined for the show by uh, John Vincent from US News and World Report. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, New York Auto Show has been going on, and we're going to be taking a look at some of the vehicles that New York Auto Show has had, some of the new introductions. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting new stuff, not only looking at this from 10,000 feet about the future of auto shows, but looking at this from... I guess the future of new vehicles and what they will look like. John wrote an article on the new Kia uh, Soul EV. Um, we'll be talking about New York, Mercedes-Benz AMG, the 53, the E-Class, the 53 E-Class that uh, just came out. I got to drive BMW X7 and Anton Warman going to be joining us on the program today. He's he's kind of our analyst and, and always has some very inside information about Company, rules, law, crazy electric stuff coming out, and the future, uh, flying cars, all that type of stuff. So that's what's on today's show. Um, John, when you look at the New York Auto Show from 10,000 feet, what what impression did you get this year? I mean, just from reading media, just from seeing the introductions. Well, like the Detroit Auto Show in January, New York was very light on new product introductions. Yeah, it seems a bit... Um, I like the idea of perhaps celebrating 50 years of something like the GTR or the Nissan 370Z, but at the same time, the 370Z hasn't really changed for 15 years. It hasn't changed much at all. No, so they did special color combinations, special badging, some interesting stuff on the interior, but that was it. I mean, the GTR, it would be hard to not love that vehicle, 600 horsepower. They added three different vehicles to the trim. Um, that that was great, and, and they showed the Nismo um, in uh, New York, which yeah. is a fantastic. Uh, it's a it's a computer on wheels, right? Am amazing pieces of machinery, but again, they're just really trim levels. There was there was some uh, very interesting highlights and some very interesting releases, and we, we can get into that a little more uh, later. But but overall, there's sort of this mixture of recycled um, special trim levels, and then some weird stuff that we haven't yeah, seen there before. were a few huge introductions there the outback um and the toyota highlander but a lot of other trim levels special editions stuff that you know you spend a lot of money in an auto show to bring out a, a, a special edition uh they did a subaru stand i'll tell you they had two stands at subaru the upstairs stand in the main hall was just outback the downstairs stand in in the secondary hall was everything else that subaru had and the first time I've ever seen this in automaker's booth, the floor in their booth was an LED screen. So the entire floor. It looked amazing. It was interesting. Like, I, I'd walk on it, and uh, 
for, I always want to play jokes on people. Have you seen those videos where people walk on walkways above like the Grand Canyon and they crack? And it's because they're on an LED screen and it's all this, you know, the screen doing video of the it cracking and people scramble to grab onto the rocks or whatever because they think they're going to fall. Uh, so I, I felt a little bit like I wanted to see some crazy stuff like standing in, in the middle of water, but it was very uh, sensible. It was forest scenes that you were standing in the, you know, and it was an LED floor. So you were standing on grass or the forest and it would change every two or three minutes too. Uh, but they didn't do anything crazy. Like they, it could have been really funny to have a little mouse run across it or something. <laughs> like that, you know, people are going, whoa, whoa, or something. Or a possum or, you know, bear. Yeah, well, bear might have been a little bit more troublesome. <laughs> I think a bear inside the New York Auto Show would have been troublesome. But did Subaru have dogs? That's the question. Yeah, they did downstairs, though. They didn't have them upstairs where they introduced the new Outback. They had them downstairs, and they don't. They, uh, that seems to be the thing now. Everybody, every I say four or five car companies have realized that if you stick dogs in a vehicle, your journalists just flocked. We're all weak. We're all weak inside. Yeah, we want to go and see the puppies. Uh, Subaru do the adoption for dogs. Volvo had puppies in the back of one of their cars a year or so ago. Uh, I know when we've taken the animal rescue rig to shows like in San Diego, when we had it at the San Diego Auto Show, we had puppies in the back. You know, it was it, every single TV station in San Diego and the Spanish ones from Mexico covered the dogs. <laughs> uh, so maybe we need to have dog shows with cars yeah. instead of car shows with dogs. Yeah. Yes, 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 I think you're probably right. Well, here's the deal. I think 72% of Americans own own dogs. Um, I think that number's right. I'd have to go back and research it. And when you buy a vehicle, if you ever take your dog out of the house, which I'm sure at least 50% of those people do, that you consider where's the dog going to go. Uh, things like Outbacks make a lot of sense. SUVs make a lot of sense. Trucks less and sedans less. Minivans are great. Dog, yeah. dog cars. Yeah, you have a you have a minivan for your dog. We do. Yeah, for the dog. Yeah. <laughs> Does your uh, do you have the kind with the vacuum in? Yes, we do. Okay, you'd have to do that with it. Well, your dog's not that hairy. Yes, she is. Is she? <laughs> yes. She yes, see she, she doesn't seem hairy. I mean, she you know she doesn't seem like a shedder. Well, she's not bald. No, but I mean, I have a German Shepherd. That changes your perspective on dog hair. Let me tell you. This is true. My. I don't know if I should talk about this, but I will anyway. What? Cars. Yeah. yeah. Where, where's the car? It's <laughs> a car show. Dogs shed in cars. Let's, just give me a minute. I was getting there. Uh, my mom came to... Uh, she's she's now on staff for me. She she joined the staff of my company. I said, I'm not sure this is a good idea. But, but she's... Anyway, she's... And of course, of course, what she does now is she comes around the office with white gloves on. And I have got raked over the coals about the amount of dog hair in the office. She's just, she's, I lifted the couch and I had to vacuum it. Well, all right, mom, but you know what? Just tell somebody that cares. <laughs> <laughs> and plus I put the dogs in my brand new Lexus, but that was a mistake. My other half came out and said, you better clean this because there's mud everywhere. But that's why I bought it because it's got leather seats. It's easy Absolutely. to clean. Leather seats and dogs are mm -hmm. the best. Uh, they are. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about uh, the e the Kia Soul EV, which you wrote an article on, and we're going to talk about New York Auto Show. Uh, we're going to get to the Mercedes AMG 53 cars, which uh, I drove in Napa, where it poured, by the way, Napa Valley, pouring, driving convertible Mercedes Benz. Do you think I had the top down? I'll tell you, coming up. <laughs> Keep listening. More of our auto expert with Nick Miles is coming up. <laughs> 
your engines, and you're off. Back to our auto expert with Nick Miles. I think the voice guy is painting me as kind of a crazy individual. Start your engines and you're off. I'm just saying, does that sound like somebody you want to ride in the car with, Jim? That would be me. <laughs> uh, wow, that was a little sultry. Oh, maybe sorry. It made me feel a little uncomfortable there. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, John Vincent <laughs> in the studio from US uh, News and World Report. John, you wrote an article on the Kia Soul EV. So is this the new one? This is the new one. All right. So just to recap everybody, uh, new Kia Soul came out, or it should be just hitting stores about now, uh, came out about six weeks ago. We got to drive it uh, with Kia in San Diego. Uh, it, just a great car. I mean, this car is not is evolutionary. It's definitely not revolutionary, um, but it is, in a sense, revolutionary too because they have just done everything they do slightly better. And there's some cool stuff in it. You know how the speakers, you know, I love that. The speakers used to light up, and now they've done that in the door because they felt like everyone was looking at the speakers when they were driving just to see them pulsate with music lights, and they were, it was a bad thing. You should have your eyes on the road. Uh, but the new one, the new EV... The last EV was a little chunky. It was built. It wasn't supposed to be an EV, and it was sort of an afterthought. It was a compliance car. Yeah. It was a car so they could say well, that they had an EV in the fleet. The argument is, aren't they all compliance cars? But ultimately, this is a better compliance car, presumably. This, yeah, the, this, the e Soul in general isn't revolutionary, but the EV is. Um, right. It has more than double the range of the old car. Um, what was so? What is the range? I guess it's up to two hundred and forty-three miles. Uh, all right, so which is in the range of the Nero, which is in the range of the um, Nissan um, Leaf EV Plus. Right. Um, so this would be, would this be? So Kia and Hyundai, the same company. Yep. Would this be the Hyundai Kona electric sister car? The same powertrain. Yes. Okay. And they all have slightly different ranges, just because of the shape of the car and the weight of the car, but. Um, so yeah, surprisingly, the uh, the Soul is going to have just as much room in the EV as it does in the regular one. Okay, which is fantastic. It Good. has a huge hatch. So the battery is where under the floor and yeah. uh, in the back part of the back seat. Okay, because because the problem being when they put them in the trunk, you lost everything in the back. Right, which is what people did when they didn't design their vehicle to be an EV in the first place. Yeah, and when the battery packaging wasn't as good. All right. They changed the charging system, so you won't be able to charge it quite as many places now as with the old one, because they went to a newer standard, which isn't as available on fast chargers quite yet. Right. Called CCS, or Combined Charging System. Right. And the, ultimately, one of the things that I noticed some new electric vehicles coming out is they hadn't sort of given them the full breadth of charging capabilities where they would take some... Uh, fast charges, but they wouldn't take the super fast, really high-powered plugs. Right, so. and that's changing. It's it's evolutionary and actually evolving very quickly. Now, is one of the things that I noticed from, for instance, Rivian at New York Auto Show, who's the electric truck manufacturer, their vehicles are doing really fast, zero to sixty times, like three seconds. Electric so. cars do fantastic at acceleration because of the way an electric motor works. Right. A gasoline engine takes a little time to build up its peak torque, its, right. ar its ability to accelerate. Right. An electric car, peak torque is one RPM, so they can launch off the line. Right. They might not be a very fast top-end speed, right. but getting off the line, they rip. All right. And, and this one, 0 to 60 was? Uh, I'm not sure what the 0 to 60 was. Did it test it, John? Nobody's tested <laughs> no. it yet. They just oh, showed just, it. All right. 
you're just uh, you're, you're just giving us all the uh, the dirty dirty inside information. It, is this going to be hugely expensive? And how are Kia doing with their rebates? Because GM their rebates have expired, uh, or they're expiring. Tesla their rebates are expiring. How's GM? Uh, how's Kia doing? Kia has a long way to go all on right. their rebates expiring, so you'll be able to get the full seventy five hundred for a long time. So it's two hundred thousand cars they have to sell before they have to reduce their. Yeah, once they hit two thousand, then the two hundred thousand. Uh, two hundred thousand. Yeah. Their um. Rebates, the federal EV tax rebate starts sunsetting. Yeah. Ooh, I like that word, sunsetting. Yeah. So it, yeah. it doesn't go away immediately, but it fades away over about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. So every six months it goes down by half or something. Correct. Um, this vehicle has just been shown, just been announced. When are we going to see uh, real cars? We're going to see them later this year, okay. um, priced in the mid 30s. So we think in like, uh, is that August or December? I mean, this. Hard to say. I think part of it depends on battery uh, availability, and some manufacturers are having a problem with that right now. All right. Whose battery are they using? I'm not sure what, whose battery they're using. Because it's a lithium-ion, but I'm not sure whose battery. It's usually like uh, with Kia, they build, you know, they have a special uh, battery formula that they use, and they had used in some of their Optima hybrids, uh, which wasn't sort of the regular lithium-ion battery. They had used some special chemicals. Lithium-ion uh, polymer. Yeah, this is a, they used the polymer, the plastic polymers on the inside to uh, extend it a little more. But it holds more power, those, those don't they? they? They've had better performance with them, but they're not... Better performance, better uh, temperature stability. Uh, but there was some, some reason that they weren't putting them in all the cars. I think they were expensive. expensive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, you know... The, uh, I'd rather pay something, I'd pay more money for something and have it last and have it reliable than pay cheap and not have it work at all. Well, the the big thing on electric cars is scaling them up. Right. And because they're doing the same thing with the Nero, the Soul EV, and the Kona EV, they can get some scale in that technology. All right. Um, this platform that this Soul EV is on, is it going to be shared with any other um, car like is it is it the Nero in it very close related? We also said the Kona was related. How? So there are rumors that there's going to be another SUV, another subcompact SUV coming soon right. from from Kia, and I can't imagine that they're not going to put some form of electrified battery pack right. in it, whether it's full electric or whether it's plug-in hybrid or regular hybrid. There's going to be some form of electrification. Kia have done very well about making their uh, EV cars look good too. Because even though the Soul EV didn't have great numbers, it sure was pretty. They did a blue and white thing with it, and it had—I mean, it just looked good. And it looked like a normal car. It yeah. looked like an electric for the yeah. sake of looking like an electric. Yeah, that's n nobody like nobody wants to be seen as weird. You know, I don't. Want, <laughs> have I don't, you ever met a Tesla owner? Yeah. Well, <gasps> no. I, there's so many things I could go with that. Uh, I, I don't think, I think the Model S for the Tesla isn't weird looking, but I think the X and the 3 are a little bit weird. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree there. It, it almost looks like they half designed it too. But and and the S is looking old these days. Yeah, so why is it 10 years old now? It's not 10, but it's getting up there. It feels so close. What, Jen? So per Kia, uh, 0 to 62 is 7.6. Uh, uh, well, that's, uh, I guess that's okay. That's not bad, but that's that probably first 9 for the gas. Yeah. It's going to be really fast. 9 for the gas, bro. Uh, sorry, it used to be 9 for the gasoline, I think. Yeah, I guess they're all a little quicker now. But. Yeah, which I, I mean, for me, it's all about 0 to 60. That's, uh, that's what I buy cars for nowadays. See how fast they go. No, I'm just kidding again. Uh, uh, do you think that this, so they have, what's the, the Nero is their next electric car um, that Kia have? 
what's the size difference between the Nero and the Soul EV? It's not they, that great. Yeah. Well, the difference between them is the Nero is slightly bigger. They're slightly longer. It's just ah. a different shape. Yeah, so one is boxy and one is not. Yeah. The, uh, they, they, they're positioning the Nero as more of the family car, and the okay. uh, Soul is more of the, the you know, millennial car. Yeah. Where, where do you think the new one's going to fall? Bigger? It's going to be in that uh, SUV, that subcompact SUV class. So it'll have all wheel drive. When somebody thing. invents a Telluride or a Rang, you know, like a really capable off road vehicle that's all electric, and then I'm, I'm in. Rivian. Yeah. Well, Rivian's great, except we're still at least 18 months from that happening. We are. And so, I mean, I, I put my $1,000 down, but it's going to take a while. It, I, Rivian of. I would. I have to be careful at this point because everything that's on paper looks great, but we haven't actually had any truck. You know, we see stuff at the auto shows. They look great. They sound great. They have amazing technology. They'll have autonomous level three. They have all this different stuff. But yet, we've heard these stories come from people before, and I get all excited. I'm like, yeah, but what happened to this company? Yeah, when they're gone. <laughs> this is true. They oh. there's a lot of vaporware out there. But you know what? You can buy an, a, a uh, Wrangler hybrid today. You can order one and you can buy one. I think you can buy one. Really? With the um, oh. 48-volt uh, oh, yeah, mild yeah, hybrid yeah. system. The mild hybrid. I was thinking the plug-in was here and I'd missed it somehow. No, not quite. Uh, that's coming later. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the New York Auto Show. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the new models that were released and what we think of the companies and where they're going and some weird city cars with winged doors and a pea green metallic color. Oh, yeah. You're excited now, aren't you? You're going to want to stay with our auto expert as we talk more about the really cool cars from the New York Auto Show. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. So I, I think there was plenty of sort of ideas of what cars could look like at the New York International Auto Show. Uh, Rivian was back there. The, the truck and the SUV have been released already. But if you hadn't seen these vehicles, uh, seen pictures of them, you can go to ourautoexpert.com. You can see the Rivian vehicles. Uh, the premise of this is the Rivian is a an American car company. They're based in uh, Normal, Illinois, I think the factory is. Uh, the sort of Detroit-ish car company. Uh, the idea, they built these electric trucks. They have a skateboard, what they're calling a skateboard-type power plant. So the battery looks like the base of a skateboard, and then there's a motor in each wheel. So you'll have four different motors. And that frees up things like the trunk uh, or the, the, the engine bay to be a frunk. And it frees up some things at the back, so there's no sort of transmission, there's no drive line, there's no traditional uh, parts in the car. So they have a gear, in the truck they have a gear tunnel, which is kind of like a triangular tunnel that goes from one side to the other behind the passenger seats. And it's specially designed, it's kind of gimmicky, but because there's an empty space there, you can put things like surfboards, kite boards, skis, all those sort of things in the guns. Yeah, mm. guns. If you're a hunting type guy, I guess you could put guns in there. So there's a lot of things you can put in there, and it's big enough to get through there. And I, I did a little video when we were in, in New York of it. Um, I sang Adele's Hello from the other side because you can see all the way through the truck. So you like that, didn't yeah, you? The Jack? cool thing about the skateboard is it can drop any body type onto the skateboard. Yeah. Well, so the, uh, the R1T is the truck, and the R1S is the SUV. Correct. And they're basically the same vehicle. One just has the boxed in back, and one doesn't. Yep. 
Uh, and then the tech on the inside, I think most people are sort of so into the 400 miles on a single charge, the only true really outdoor adventure vehicle that's all electrified, um, zero to 60 in three seconds. A lot of people are into that and they forget this huge screen where your gauges would normally be at the front of the vehicle, right behind the steering wheel. There's a huge screen. There's a huge center console screen. Um, there's level three autonomous in this vehicle. And, and we haven't even got into half the systems that the vehicle is going to have because it's so new. They're the earliest we're going to see one. And this is everything they're telling us is true. We have no, no reason to disbelieve it. But again, I don't want to be caught out getting all excited about this and putting my $1,000 down and it doesn't materialize. The earliest we're going to see one of these vehicles is probably the last two months of 2020. The and the pickup market is going to get crowded with electric trucks around that time. Yeah, so who else is on, the, on that list? So you have Ford with an F-150 electric right. that they've kind of announced and several have been seen in testing. Um, there's another company called Bollinger that's kind of bumping along as a startup may or may not make it but its technology is pretty cool their, as well. their vehicles look very much like land rover defenders right they're very simplistic yeah like square boxy which is not great for aerodynamics but it sure looks sexy it's you know it's fine for off-road though right. when you're going 10 miles an hour yeah 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 um tesla yes no maybe tesla, it's on their road roadmap but um Who we'll knows? see who knows? We keep saying this about them. They still seem to pull something out of the fire each time. But they do. We don't know how long that's going to go on. And we'll talk to more more about that when Anton in the last half hour of the show. Uh, so the, the the there's those. Then there's sort of rumors that VW could be getting into the electric truck market uh, or the truck market. Period. I guess since they don't actually have one. Yeah, right let's now. get them into the truck market first. Now they showed another concept in New York, which was this sort of light. This what you call half done. Yeah, it was a concept they've shown in South America. Um, the rumor was that with their new agreement with Ford that they were going to get a version of the Ranger, but that rumor seems to be dying a little bit, and they might be getting their own platform. I I just want to jump back to the Ford having the F one fifty. So there's a best selling truck in best selling vehicle period like forty years now in North America, forty something years, decades. Yeah, a long time. So Ford may have an all electric truck, but at the same time they're telling us this now, or they're hinting towards this, not actually telling us. At the same time, we still haven't seen the Bronco. Yeah. And it's like, it's starting to be a little... Do you remember when Chevy talked about the the, the Volt, V-O-L-T? And they showed pictures of something that looked very close like to the Camaro family. That was the sort of first thing. And it went through, it's like, it's felt like, I'm sure it wasn't, but it felt like five years of, of like teases. I think it was, because I was one of the ones who put a $1,000 down. Were you? Yeah. What happened to that money? <clears throat> I don't know. It was so long ago. <laughs> you may be owed quite a bit of money by somebody. Uh, Who but, did you give it to? Like some guy on the street corner? No, was it was GM way back when. <laughs> this has happened before with car companies. They'll show a concept and everybody says, that's cool. And they say, we're going to build it. And then they spend the next several years trying to figure out, oh, how the heck are we yeah. going to build this? That sounds like I, I've heard stories about Acura where the the president would announce some this is years ago 15 years ago he'd announce something at a press conference <laughs> the staff had no idea they had to do it then they'd have to work out how to go and make this guy just announced yeah the, so, the poster child for that was the pontiac solstice uh little roadster right as, as a show car it was amazing mm -hmm. then they built the thing and it was terrible i'll tell you my story about that vehicle when i got one out of the press fleet i had camera cases and the trunk wasn't very big and I, I pushed, you know, I, I had to work it out to get this camera. I slammed the trunk 
and the camera case was bigger than the trunk, and it put an imprint in the trunk of the oh, edge of the no. case. <laughs> yeah, when you put the top up, you actually had to get out of the car and walk a couple laps around the car, pushing different panels down yeah. to put the top back up. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty. It was pretty, and the Saturn version was even better. Yeah. Yes. It was pretty, but not practical. No. That was one of the cars where if you, yes, I don't know, whatever. So there's... Uh, what were we talking about? Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. What were we talking about? Jen? Electric vehicles. Oh, yeah. Were we? Trucks. Um, yeah. So, so Rivian, that was pretty. Uh, the Rivian truck there, and there's a lot more coming. The one thing I like about it, most people don't know about this, when you plug it in, the light, so this has two circular headlights at the front and then a long light, uh, LED light that joins them in the middle. That LED goes green depending on how much of the vehicle is charged. Nobody knows that because they're always like hardwired into the auto show. So you could look across the street at the front of your vehicle. No, that's not it. It's the RT1. Rivian no, that's, RT1. that's the competitor. Oh. That's going to come sense? out. She's showing me pictures. Go to RX Auto Expert. You can see pictures of the RT, R1T. Um, you can also uh, find out more information about it. We did with some videos on it, which was a whole bunch of fun. I want one. Not sure I'm willing to put my money down, though. Stay tuned. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is on the way. Talk about the New York International Auto Show and some of the cars, trucks, and SUVs that were first seen at the show. Oh, and there's plenty that wasn't their first time out. First time I've ever seen a car company bring a crashed car to present to the show, which is what Honda did with the HRV. So you usually see these shiny, nice cars on stands at auto shows. They decided to bring the IIHS tested version of their HRV, which had been running to a wall at 50 miles an hour, whatever. The, I'm not sure what the speed is. I'm making that part up. But it was run into a wall. They had video of it. And they said, here's the new HRV. And I'm like, I, I don't know. That one's got a scratch on it. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, they just wanted to show you the interior compartment was pretty undamaged. It was amazingly intact in yeah. the pictures I saw. I've, I feel better about hitting someone in an HRV now. Well, there was the drug that <laughs> it, was, it was Honda's new styling studio. But. Right. <laughs> oh, that's kind of a funny joke. I, I'm going to throw that to a few of my Honda friends. Uh, the... The HRV has their ace body structure. It has active and passive safety systems on it. And they really want to retell that story and say, hey, you know, this car is important. The one story they were also telling, which I found to be very strange, is the sedan success story, which is a tough one because sedans are not popular now. I mean, they're still the second best selling class of vehicle. But they're not as popular as they used to be. They used to be the first by a long way, right? They used to be the bread and butter yeah. for the car industry. Camry, Accord, uh, Ultima, yeah. Um, Malibu. This is what these car companies made huge money on. Outside of trucks, they want made huge money on. But they don't anymore. They make it on SUVs and CUVs. So Honda was telling this story at, uh, you know, story meaning their messaging at uh, Detroit. Uh, sorry, in New York, which was interesting, which was... 55% of new car buyers or first-time new car buyers, that's not, somebody who's never owned a car before, never owned a new car before, were buying sedans, which I, I, mean, I, I don't have any umbrams with that. I, 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 I'm sure it's true. Uh, they have, they, I asked for the source of the survey because I want to be, make sure that, you know, if I'm going to say this, I don't want to find myself into some kind of trouble. 
Uh, and so when I, I, I mentioned that, they were like, oh, yeah, okay, well, the, it's actually from the sources Urban Science. That's who did the research. I'm not sure who they are, but at least they gave me a source, right? And then they're also telling me that that number, the 55, uh, jumps to 75 when you talk about Generation Z, which are the youngest generation. That's, you know, they're the, they're the youngest part of millennials. So th I guess that's probably uh, 18 to 23-year-olds. Somewhere in there. When they buy their first time, 75% I mean, of them buying sedans. What, what do they know that we don't? Or what don't they know? Or they probably don't know. That's yeah, I think I'd want to see a little bit more of that study. Yeah, that, that study on the 75% is from Strategic Vision. Okay, they're, so, they're pretty solid. Well, they don't I've have families yet. That's one thing. Right. And so, the second thing is maybe it's a little cheaper and less expensive to yes, buy a sedan I mean, there is, versus There a, is less expensive. They, they get better fuel economy, too. Yeah. I think uh, by about uh, somewhere around a third better fuel economy. What about insurance? Um, John, you did a little cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the deal uh, that, that I'm thinking. You don't want to drive what your parents drove. John, did you want to drive what your parents drove? It was a 79 Impala station. I got no. No, so you bought a minivan instead. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> My mom had a Cutlass Supreme. It's beautiful. But would you, uh, would you want to buy the same kind of cars as your parents had? Well, I, see, I don't know if that works. My dad had a Land Rover Defender. And what do you I drive? Totally I want to drive what your parents drove. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was super cool. Uh, I don't know if that really works. But you, you don't want to be seen to be, like, seen to be what your parents, you know, driving what your parents drove. Unless, you know, they're extremely wealthy, I so guess. So here's what Honda has to hope for with those numbers is yeah. that, they can convert those second car buyers to HRVs, CRVs, pilots. I think they will. Because once you're in an SUV, you don't go back to a sedan. Everybody's studies show that SUV buyers never go yeah. back to a sedan. Probably in their 30s, that's I have what a, I'm guessing. I have a sports car, a truck, and an SUV. Mm -hmm. No, I have no, I don't think I've had a sedan in many years. In fact, I can't remember. Like, it's the 80s when I had a sedan. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, I did. Have a, I had a Subaru. I had a Subaru. I had a Subaru Legacy, I think, uh, or a Subaru, yeah, Subaru Legacy back in the 90s. Cavalier. That was the last time. Was that yours? I had a Cavalier, 89. You're a Chevy. I Hill. had like 11 Honda Accords. Really? <laughs> yeah. John, who's the sensible one? This I am a Chevy girl. Then, then I switched to Chevy. Acura. And Did then you? I, yeah, now I'm in an Acura SUV. Well, that's when you got rich. You switched to Acura. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> uh, other cars that uh, are interesting. So they they brought out these new uh, limited edition Alfa Romeo, one for the quarter uh, the uh, Stelvio, and one for the uh, Giulia. And they are called the N Ring cars, N R I N G, in celebration of the Nurburgring, which they had the records of, but they don't have them anymore uh, for both those vehicles. <laughs> and they bought this off, so they're only going to make fifty five of each of them. How much money did it cost them to launch this in an auto show? A lot of money. Yeah, yeah a lot of money, and they're only going to make 55 of them. You've got to hope these cars are going to make, the, you know, the ROI, the return on investment. <laughs> it's accurate. It's something similar with their hand-built car that they brought out. Right. They're only going to make, what, a couple thousand of? Yeah, I wonder what the resale value of those. Well, is. See, but the Alfa Romeos... The resale value is going to be amazing on those because right. Alfa Romeo is a collector's cars and they always go up. The, these vehicles, they look nice. A lot of carbon fiber in them. Carbon fiber exposed roof, mirror caps, uh, door sills, um, 
little spoiler on the trunk, all those things under the engine, under the hood, uh, on top of the engine, loads of carbon fiber. Really looks good. They're in a sort of a matte gray color. You can't get that matte gray color anywhere else. All these things support it, but 55? It's an odd number. Yeah, apparently. And so that we asked them, why 55? And they said, well, you know, originally we were going to do, we were gonna do uh, 100 total for 50 of each. And then we thought, we forgot about the Canadians. <laughs> well, all right. Okay, all five. <laughs> so they, they're going to make five extra of each for Canada. Sounds like they still forgot about the Canadians. I don't know. Uh, it, that was a bizarre... Because, you know, with, with their sister company, when they did the Demon over at Dodge, they did 3,000 for the United States and 300 for Canada. Mm-hmm. So the relationships are equal, right? 50, 5... Right, right. 10%. Yes, it's an equal relationship. 10% they do for Canada. So I think it's probably somebody, oh, wait, the president of Alfa Romeo used to be the president of Dodge. That's why. (laughs) Tim Kaniscus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's where they came up with that number. It must have been a Tim formula. Does Tim live in Canada? No, he lives in Detroit. It's not that far. It's like a wrong turn from Canada. Yeah, he has to look across at them and face them if he doesn't send them five cars. Yeah, this, he, there's probably some undue influence on him to send Canada cars. Uh, the same sort of numbers, 3.6, uh, 0 to 60 mile an hour time, 176 top speed. Same sort of numbers as a quadrifolio in, in both of these. Uh, interesting idea. Until you get to the price, pretty fearful. 95,000 starting price of the quadrifolio. For this special N-Ring edition. $95,000 for a car that has badging and paint and some carbon fiber. Fortunately, they only have to sell 55 of them. Yeah, see, there you go. That's probably why they can't. They don't. I wouldn't mind owning one. I'm not sure if the Stelvio Quadrifolio is worth 90, almost 96000 Just uh, like $110 worth of short of 96000 And then the Julia Quadrifolio is basically 90000 That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. All right, what do you think of these, uh, the, the fact that Nissan does the GTR and the 370Z and they don't give us anything new apart from color and badging? I did like the color and badging on the 370Z, but they're... That yeah, was red and white, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, not a lot more there than the color and the badging. No, I think they had some like shifter, steering wheel, stitching. Appearance stuff. package. Yeah, just yes. appearance stuff. But they're, they're calling it part of the Nissan Dream Garage. Interesting dream. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. If you dream big, that's what I tell everyone. Maybe yeah. I like them. I think they'll be great sellers for them. The, the base vehicles are great. would be really nice to see for the 50th anniversary them have done a new 370Z. Or by this, cause they've done they step it up. So it was 240, 280, 350, yep. 370. Right. Or was it 240, 270, 350, no, 380? 240, 280, 350, 370. Right. Uh, and there was a lot of time in between the 280 and the 350. Right. Uh, and so the next one would be like 460? Either that or they'll just call it the Z car. It would be, it would be if we're going by the same numbering, it would be 460 and then 500. If they bring out another car. Yeah. Well, they will. I'm sure they will, because they've been hounded about bringing a new Z car. They're a great vehicle. 
I remember driving them when they first came out, and I drove it in Portland up and down Barber Boulevard, and I remember not being able to keep it under 40. And I think it's a 30, 35-mile-an-hour zone, especially when you get into Portland on the on Barber Boulevard, close. Uh, and I remember looking at the speed limit and going, I'm, I haven't even got my foot on the gas, I'm doing 40. That car was fast. The, yeah, the three, it's, a, it's the a quick car. 370 is really fast. It's heavy, but it's quick. And then, uh, And I like the heavy, too. I'm much more comfortable with heavy, fast cars than I am with light, fast cars. And then the the GTR, well, that's just nuts. The only thing I the only thing I would tell you about the GTR that I don't like is the fact that it's so stiff. I have numb bum syndrome when I've driven it. It's just not comfortable, especially the Nismo. Yeah, it's just not. And you, and then you, if you go over a piece of gravel, you'll scratch the um, the hood. Not the hood, the uh, spoiler. On the front uh, air the down. front fascia fascia yeah splitter it's splitter it's so low it's it's incredibly low but boy that thing's really great on corners at speed uh, it's grip is amazing yeah. and it's uh computing ability that maintains that grip is what makes that car so special i have only driven one car that's better than that in grip and that was you know double the price maybe almost triple the price that's the uh, lamborghini huracan evo that uh, for the money, that GTR, it's going to be pretty tough to beat. And then the special 50th anniversary edition was blue and white. Um, and then they had the Nismo version too. Yep. Um, so then they're calling this their dream garage, which are, you know, it's, they're great pieces. First time the three, I guess it was the 240, the 240Z was seen was exactly 50 years ago, the New York show, 1969 was the first 240Z shown in New York at the auto show. You know, you drive one of those old Z cars, and yeah. what impresses you is how far brake technology has come in that time. <laughs> because those were fun cars, but right. those brakes were horrible. Yeah, they were, uh, they, they were different. They were different. I got, they, they have a place called Memory Lane Motors in Portland, Oregon, and I've been over there to drive some of their vehicles that have new versions of, like the, the you know, the Challenger, that sort of thing. Like, old cars are sure pretty, and they're sure fun, but as a daily driver, forget it. <laughs> forget it. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm, I can't believe there weren't more accidents. They'd, well, there know. were more fatalities. Yeah, I see. That was always tough. All right, we still have to talk about Mercedes-Benz AMG 53. We're, not, we're down, like, five cars in a massive list of New York Auto Show. We've got that to come up. Uh, more talk something about the BMW X7 which I got a fun trip to drive and we'll also uh, be having Anton Wallman on you can always follow everything that goes on the show by the way see pictures at ourautoexpert.com don't go away there's more to come with Nick Miles our auto expert will be right back it's our auto expert with Nick Miles we are talking about the cars uh, for the New York Auto Show. Uh, we, I, I have on my list that we'll talk about Mercedes-AMG uh, E53 and also the BMW X7, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. You'll have to stand by because we still haven't got through this list of New York. John Vincent in the studio with us, as is Jen. Um, all right, Jen's been posting a, a bunch of stuff in New York. Let's just run through some of the vehicles quickly, and we can jump back into them. So, uh, Gladiator was there again. Uh, first time it's been at Camp Jeep. That was kind of interesting because we, we've got to see it. A lot of the public now is getting to ride it around Camp Jeep. I went through training to drive Camp Jeep this year. I had to go through a training course so I could drive it. 
And we set it up with, uh, with, with Cam Jeep that I would drive the vehicle around and, uh, Mike Cordell from Fox and Friends and, and also my sort of, uh, TV partner, uh, from the Fox Sports show was in the vehicle with me and they left the gate open. And so I was like, I'm just going to take it out onto the street. And I, they, they knew I was going to do it, but he didn't. And he's freaking out. The security guards are all set up. You know, they're banging the car, screaming at me, stop, stop. We just drove it to Times Square. It was, it was, it was funny to see Mike's like reaction because he was petrified we we're going to get arrested by the security police, whoever the, the guys were at Camp That's Jeep. Awesome. Uh, it was, it was kind of fun. But I drove it to Times Square. There's a lot of people taking pictures of it, you know, because they've never seen one in real life. By the way, do not drive from Jacob Javits Center to Times Square. Because although it's like 12 blocks, it took me like 40 minutes. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, and you were the only non-cab on the street. Yeah, it was horrible. And, and plus, I'm a very, like, I'm not an aggressive, nasty driver. I'm, I tend to, like, I'm polite. <laughs> I'm, I'm not polite. I'm, not, I'm polite. I let people, I'm like, I'm, all right, I'm, I might be, but I'm not, I'm polite. I'm polite. I let people in. That's a good thing. In New Nick. York, you know, but I've seen guys squeeze paper. I, when I came from the airport in New York, I landed at JFK. I got picked up in, in, in a car and driven. The guy that was driving me, I found out this later in the trip, but was a NYPD homicide detective. That was the driver that we had for the, the time we were there. Like he was our driver. So this guy's a, a police officer and he's driving us around New York. He overtook a police car with its lights and sirens on. That's awesome. <laughs> in New York. He oh cuz there was a gap on the right-hand side through traffic and this police car was trying to get on the left-hand side. He just overtook it. Like or undertook, I guess. But it's a one-way street, so it's over or undertook, whichever way. He just went around it. He kept, they they're a block and a half back struggling through traffic. <laughs> anyway, New York's a little scary. So don't ever drive from Jacob Javits Center to Times Square. Never use your turn signals because that's a sign of weakness. Yes. I don't know. You just use your horn. Exactly. You just don't want, uh, one well, of the and hand signals. One of the guys. One of the guys on our team was going from I don't know where. Like like he was in a cab somewhere, Uber somewhere, going somewhere, and the Uber hit a guy on a bicycle who was delivering Grubhub, <laughs> knocked him off his bike. Oh, no. It's fine. Everyone's fine. No worry. That's New York. I mean, only only in New York could you be inside a cab or an Uber or a Lyft or something and have it hit somebody else. <laughs> That's just it's it's a dangerous thing. Even crossing the street in New York is pretty dangerous. And it's fun, but it's dangerous. Uh, for all our New York listeners, I'm sorry. I'm just giving, you know, giving people a picture of uh, what New York's like. Uh, so I, I got to drive the Gladiator for the first time uh, around Camp Jeep. That's, it's harder than it looks. Like, Camp Jeep's a lot harder than it looks, especially the off-camber thing, where the vehicle's, like, going for up and down one side to the other. That's, and, and the guy's showing you how you have to stay right on the lines. Because if you come off the lines, you could come off for the whole, uh, the whole structure. So he's, you know, he's telling you, you know, left or right, and and all you can see is his arms because you can't see. Obviously, you're pointing up in the air, so you can't see the road below you or anything. So you just see him pointing. They don't have the camera. Well, in in this one, it doesn't didn't help you. Oh, okay. Because it's a metal, it's a little thin piece of metal you have to drive over. So it's not like. And if if anybody in the audience hasn't seen Camp Jeep, it's kind of an amusement park for Jeeps that they roll into different auto shows. It's pretty awesome, and you just got to ride it. Most people just get to ride it. I was lucky enough to drive it. Uh, There's a new Highlander. Now this is interesting. Uh, it is an interesting vehicle. It it's not hugely different, but it's built on the new platform. Everybody's everybody's evolutionizing their vehicles. Uh, mechanically, they're hugely different because they're going to new platforms. 
but at the same time, looks very much like like I, I mean, I, if you had shown me this a picture of this vehicle without knowing the name, I'd have told you it was a Highlander. Even if you took all the badging off of it, like the Toyota badge, I'd have told you it was a Toyota Highlander. It looks like one. It looks yeah. like a Genesis front. Does it really? I think. Yeah, a couple interesting things with the Highlander is the cargo capacity is actually down with yeah. the new one compared to the old one. Mm. And the hybrid Highlander, they've chopped significant horsepower off it to give it substantially better mileage. Yeah. So there's there's two things about that I can uh, mention that. Corolla is also smaller on the inside, the new Corolla, than the last one, which is interesting. Right. But the other thing that's interesting is... So, and we'll get to this talking about this. So, uh, Hyundai introduced their brand new um, miniature SUV called the Venue. It's smaller than the Kona, and it's it's more rugged looking, even though it's doesn't in low income in front wheel drive. That's that's a whole different story. Interesting enough, that gets so it's the smallest SUV that Hyundai make, thirty three miles a gallon. Yep, Highlander, thirty four miles a gallon. Highlander Hybrid. Yeah, Highlander Hybrid. Massive vehicle, 34 miles a gallon. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, it yeah, is. It's, it's, you know, you, you put a hybrid powertrain in and your city mileage goes up spectacularly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, seven or eight passengers, choice of a V6 and the new generation hybrid powertrain. Uh, it has that uh, new available dynamic torque vectoring all-wheel drive. Uh, so it, I'm expecting it to be really good off-road. Because yep. it's all new on a new it's platform. It'll be better off-road. Um, it won't have the ground clearance of some, but it'll be better off-road than yeah, the current one. Yep, yeah. and uh, the largest in-segment uh, display, which they say is 12.3. And the first Toyota to have Android Auto capability. Uh, I thought the Tacoma was going to have that. It was shown the, in Chicago. Well, Tacoma's not out yet. Right. Highlander will be out before then. Okay, so that that's, yeah, interesting. They... I know that BMW didn't put Android Auto in a lot of their vehicles, and they're still a bit sheepish about it because they don't like the Google deal that Google offers you, the things they can do to the consumer and the data that they can get. They're not satisfied with that. Both both Apple CarPlay and Android Auto allow the companies to gather a lot of data. Right. I I think the difference was, and and I could be mistaken about this, but the difference was in, in Apple couldn't just turn you off, whereas uh, Google wanted to be able to turn your phone off so not have you have access to the car at any time if they wish to do that. That and Google also gets a lot more information about how the car is being driven um, as you go. They're all spying on us, you know. They we'll, all are, they're all all sp- are spying We'll talk us. about that when we come back in the next segment because uh, Subaru, the new Outback, has an infrared camera in it that looks at your face and tells you if you're being inappropriate. Not in ways you might think. I mean, I, I'm, you just have a look at my face. You know if I've been inappropriate. But <laughs> this car, will it, it'll judge you. Cars are judging you now and recording you and reporting back on you. It's like a whole conspiracy thing. Clyde Lewis should be in here. More of our auto expert with Nick Miles is on the way. He's Nick Miles, and this is our auto expert. We are talking about the cars that were released at the New York International Auto Show, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of cool stuff in here. Uh, quickly, want to run by the Hyundai Sonata, the, two, the 2020 version. Uh, so the, the it has chrome strips that go up the side of the hood and around the windshield. Never seen that before. And then halfway, those chrome strips up, about a third of the way up the hood are actually LED lights. And so the hood lights up, 
and then they have the sort of the lights on the side. So that's kind of interesting. So when it's turned off, it looks like uh, chrome. It looks like uh, just chrome. When they're turned on, the chrome turns to LEDs. It's different. I'm excited about that. I mean, you should look at pictures. We have, we have pictures at uh, our auto expert, but it's kind of fun. Here, here's what else is kind of cool about that now. So we've seen phone as a key by several manufacturers. So Tesla has some sort of version of it. Uh, Lincoln has a version of it. The interesting one is they've combined multiple different platforms in, in uh, Hyundai to use the Sonata as with the phone for a key, but they're using different uh, technologies. So they're using Bluetooth to have the car and the phone wired so you can actually operate the car 30 feet uh, 30, 40 feet from the car via Bluetooth. So it's not a cell signal. It's not the web. It's via Bluetooth. So even if you have no web interaction on your phone and you have no cell service on your phone, it can still operate the car from about 30 feet away. I like that. I like that idea. I mean, you know, how many times have we been on automotive events where we have poor web or cell connection, um, but you could still, I mean, and it happens obviously to a lot of people that live in rural areas, you could still have a connection to the car. I like that. It also has the near-field communications, so when the phone actually touches places on the car, things will happen. That's kind of cool. And then you don't need a physical key. You can take the phone and you can put it in, in the wireless charging area, lie the phone down, and it recognizes it as a key. And that way you can send keys to people. So, uh, Jen, if you, if you went off somewhere and you decided to uh, leave your car at the airport and you went on vacation to Hawaii, your son could fly into town and you could send him the key to his phone and he could just pick your car up and drive it off. Which works if you have a spouse that travels a lot too or you know you need to pick up a car from the garage or you need to send a friend to do it or someone wants to borrow your car, you can just send them the key. You don't have to worry about a physical key. I kind of like that. Also, I like it when you know, your child's naughty. Just turn the car off at any point. Hopefully they're not driving it. <laughs> well, what's nice about that is when you leave the house and you, you know, you don't have to take your wallet and your phone and your keys. Now we're getting down to your wallet can be an Apple wallet and yeah. your keys can be on the phone and digital li uh, driver's licenses are coming. So everything can be on the phone, which is great until your phone dies. I, yeah. Or you I, lose it. Or, yeah. And, but hopefully that as batteries get better and better now, my, uh, when I went out in New York, I forgot my wallet. And I was using the phone for everything. I left my wallet back at the hotel. Uh, and I had to pay, buy something. And I went to B&H, the camera store. I just tap and pay. It was convenient. I spent way more money because I should have left my wallet at home for the yeah, right reason. You know reason. they have exactly. sales tax there and not here, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I have everything mail-ordered home, so I don't pay sales tax. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm not. I just go in there for the knowledge that they offer. Uh, which is what you get from our auto expert right here. Um, so that's interesting. The Sonata uh, phone is a key. The new Ford Escape looks very much like a Porsche Macan. I'll say it right now. Say it out loud. Uh, they sent it back to be redesigned because it looked too much like a Porsche Macan. I still think it looks too much like a Porsche Macan. I don't, actually, I don't, I don't think it looks too much. I like it. Um, this vehicle will also have... They, you know they sold 272,000 last year? That vehicle, it's... It, the current one is really old and yeah. still sits near the top of U.S. News and World Report's rankings of compact SUVs. Uh, 50, 550 miles on a single tank. That's also what the new one will do. That's pretty good. How much do you get out of the tank in your, in your uh, um, vehicle of the same size? 300. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yours is a luxury vehicle, though, John. Uh, that's, that's nice. And it has a turbocharger that I use. Yeah, you do. <laughs> And I'm the one that was the crazy driver. <laughs> Best in class electric range of 30 miles plus on that new uh, Ford Escape. 
And a 12.3-inch screen on the inside. See, that's as big as the dash, isn't it? 12.3-inch screens are going to become the new 8-inch screen. Yeah. From a couple of years ago. Standard. Uh, First-class heads-up display. I was noticed, what was I in the other day? Um, oh, in the new Lincoln uh, Corsair, which is one of the vehicles that they had in New York. They have now overcome the polarized sunglasses thing with a heads-up display. Now you can wear polarized sunglasses. Yeah, a couple of them have done that, and it's great. Yeah. If you wear sunglasses, or if you have any kind of polarization. If you didn't know this, you never wore sunglasses in a car uh, because you live in, like, the Northwest, <laughs> where it rains a lot. Thanks. That's what my home to is. Uh, then you put sunglasses on, and you couldn't see the heads-up display, but they've, they've fixed that. Uh, new, uh, not new, but the Honda Passport was there. Uh, the new Lincoln Corsair, which is the smallest one in their family, is replacing the MKC. Uh, tons of tech in it that really blew my mind, that I really liked. Um, I, mean, I, I could go through, but it's American built. Uh, it has just really, really cool. So phone is a key also tech. It has really, really cool stuff that you can do in the car. Um, that, then that only leaves the MKT, right? As their, they still uh, make that? Uh, yeah, limo drivers. Yeah. They don't make it anymore, do they? I think they make a few. Oh, it's frightening. It looks like a hearse. But I, you know, I liked it when I first saw it. And then 20 minutes later, I was over it. I guess the MKS is still out as well, so there's one left. That's a sedan, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. This is the fourth. Lincoln are doing such a good job that they are doing such a good job with the new vehicles. This is the this is a fourth SUV. So they have the uh, the Corsair, the Nautilus, Aviator. the Aviator, and the Navigator. Right. Uh, so they have four, and they said they're going to have six. So there's two more going to fit in there somewhere. I don't know what they're going to be. So a super small one to compete with Cadillac XT4. Is that smaller than the A and the uh, Corsair? The Corsair? Yes. Well, about the same size. All right. Yeah, I guess it would be a subcompact, where this is probably a co compact. Yeah. Right. Uh, the tech on this blew me away. Like, some of the tech and the design on this vehicle completely blew me away. Like, there is, there is some stuff in this vehicle that is amazing that Lincoln have done a really good job with. Um, and plus, the Detroit Symphony did all the sounds on the inside, which is awesome. Um, and when we had our presentation, we had little stations where we had to move stations to get an engineering presentation or whatever. They play the dung, 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 which was, yeah. you know, yeah. done by and the And we're not Symphony. talking stereo sounds. We're talking, you know, the door chimes and yes. the lights on yeah. are symphonic. Yeah. The Lincoln, uh, they used the Detroit Symphony to make all those. And plus, you know, they're dropping the EcoBoost engine. They're dropping the name EcoBoost. Really? Yeah, so they, they're actually still doing the same engines, but the name is disappearing at Ford and at Lincoln. Did somebody realize that you either have Eco or Boost? Yeah, well, I saw the, the joke that was made to them. I think they didn't like it very much, so now they've just dropped the... It's just going to be the turbo engine, which so EcoBoost has gone away, uh, which was interesting. New Outback, we talked a little bit about that. So this is the thing. It has this infrared camera on the inside. So you may have remembered the tragic uh, st news story about the Hart family in which... Um, they went off a, a cliff in California and all perished, uh, eight members of the family together. And all of the information that was presented at the inquest, uh, a majority of the information about driving the vehicle in its last 20 minutes came from a black box was in the vehicle. And this, of course, sparked these stories about whether there was a black box in the vehicle. Well, yes, there is. Every vehicle is watching you. Not everyone, but a lot of vehicles are watching you. Um, 
John, tell us a story about you having a phone conversation with General Motors and them telling you how your driving was because you were driving a press car from them. So we were talking about the telematic system and the representative of GM said, well, I can see that you accelerated hard seven times yesterday and you had three incidents of hard braking. They knew what you were doing. They knew exactly what I was doing. New Outback infrared camera that will look at your eyes and go, you're, uh, you're not paying attention to the road. Uh, you're not paying enough attention, which, by the way, would be great if we could look at other people's cars and warn other drivers that they were. It's more than just attention. It's looking at your mood behind yep. the wheel. Looks at your mood, uh, evaluates you. I don't know why you need this when you have a significant other, because I get judged all the time um, by my significant other. It tells me what mood I'm in and what I'm thinking, what I'm doing. Uh, it'll have it'll have all the eyesight stuff. Uh, it'll have uh, 260 horsepower. It'll have a turbocharger box engine. Uh, on the Onyx edition, they'll they'll have a new Onyx edition, which is kind of their top of the line uh, vehicle. Uh, unique interior and exterior. It looks like an Outback. It's no mistake. Yeah, you're not going to mistake it for anything other than an Outback. And, and it'll be super super capable. I'm actually pretty excited about it. Uh, it'll also out of the tur turbo, you'll get like 30 miles a gallon. Or 33 miles a gallon, depending on uh, which model you choose. So. And it will be the first Outback Turbo. Yeah, Outback Turbo. Got to love that. All right, coming up, Anton Warburton's going to be on the show. Uh, he is a mad scientist, independent analyst and investor. Uh, Anton has got some serious questions to answer about how this tester exploded in Shanghai. That's coming up on the show next, because we like to talk about things that explode. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is on the way. It's our auto expert with Nick Miles. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we've been talking about New York Auto Show uh, and the vehicles that were released there. I think we got through about half of the ones that we should have talked about. We didn't get to talk about anything we wanted. Um, well, not I should say that. Actually, that's the way I got to talk about everything I wanted. Yeah. Like, I have the buttons. Jen has a list of things. That, she's like, you can get to this. You need to get to the Mercedes AMG. So sorry, everybody. We'll have to talk about that in another day. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the time of the show. Um, John Vincent here, by the way, from US News and World Report. Jen's uh, here. And joining us on the phone is our uh, mad scientist. But he is the analyst, independent investor and uh, analyst, Anton Wallman. Um, Anton, uh, there's been a lot going on uh, in the last week or so, in including exploding Teslas. Well, what we've seen here is not just a uh, a SpaceX rocket that went <laughs> poof on the launch pad uh, yesterday, which was uh, obviously a huge problem here. It's sort of like a drug discovery company failing in the last phase of the phase of uh, the trial and now may have to go back uh, to uh, the start and uh, redo a few years worth of work. We'll see. I'm not a rocket expert, but that's what they're saying out there is what uh, what may happen here. What happened just today, just today in China, was that a, um, a security camera caught a Tesla model as basically self-combusting in in what looked like an underground garage, kind of a typical underground garage, and just uh, torching the cars to the side of it. And uh, nobody really knows, certainly not yet, uh, what caused this to happen, what on earth happened here. So this certainly brings into light, you know, what not just uh, the flammability of some of these vehicles, which frankly I don't think is really much of a problem, but 
The other problem that we have to look at going forward is if we're ever going to get to, at some point in the future, maybe single-digit number of years or double-digit number of years, truly autonomous cars, the cars that just drive themselves, are these really just remote-controlled bombs that can be sent by anybody around and uh, uh, bring them up to any location and you don't have to recruit a willing driver who is willing to sacrifice him or herself to... uh, Uh, take down this or that building. These are the kind of questions that are really of uh, almost national security concern that at some point has to be raised in the coming uh, months and years. Yeah, now I feel very uncomfortable about self-driving cars if they could be used uh, as remote control. I guess one of the things that came out early on when we uh, started investigating these self-driving cars is what you know what could happen with these vehicles that was illegal there was a whole look at that i mean they could be used for prostitution drug running all these type of things which you know nobody technically could be responsible for it you could go you could go rent uh, something in just rent one of these cars as you would with someone like a ride sharing company and you could have it, you know, do drug deliveries, and nobody be any the wiser. Um, That's right. Well, I mean, they they were they're definitely made for Las Vegas. We know that. <laughs> uh, certainly, there's one angle of it that that is right at home in the Nevada desert. But uh, think about drones, Nick. Think about what how drones are restricted. When drones first came out, nobody knew quite what to make of them. I mean, people were just using them willy nilly. As drones have become cheaper and easier to use, more widespread and more commonplace, we've seen increasing restrictions of where you could fly them. Try uh, putting up a drone in, in, uh, in any major city center, New York, San Francisco, any place, or within uh, some seven miles of a major airport. Uh, they will hunt you down like an animal and figure out who brought that drone up into the air and ran it near these centers. So... A uh, a self-driving car, a truly driverless autonomous car, uh, isn't that just a 5,000-pound drone? A drone might be 5 pounds, but this is 5,000 pounds. You know, as I said uh, recently here, if you're uh, the proverbial Osama Osama Laden, you would have said back in the day, ooh, imagine the possibilities. Yeah, and one of the things that we can do is control, obviously, where where self-driving cars go. I mean, I I refer to the the scooters in L.A., the Lime-style scooters that you can rent in L.A. If you're in Santa Monica, they are restricted to five miles an hour. Once you hit the city limits, uh, they go up to 18 miles an hour, and that's because they're geofenced. So presumably, they'll be able to geofence these cars in the way they want to, and there'll be restrictions for them to drive into certain areas, uh, unless they have a driver at the wheel, uh, stop check points they'll they'll you know stop automatically i mean even down to the stage where onstar can now turn off your accelerator pedal uh presumably these vehicles will be restricted of driving and they'll hit a barrier there'll be an invisible wall uh presumably where they'll just stop right well the legal ones for sure but uh, last time i checked uh terrorists tend not to obey basic regulations of that nature uh so i would have to believe that if you're if your intent is to do great harm, you're probably not uh, in the mood of following any of those, any of those restrictions. You're just going to come up with one that just ignores any of those restrictions and goes pretty much where you want it to go for for your really bad purpose. Uh, 
so we have seen this in the movies for this massive uh, electromagnetic pulse, which uh, they sort of tested, I think, for a while on being able to bring cars to a stop in a police chase or uh, which went into certain areas. I mean, is that an opportunity that they could use in these vehicles? Well, yeah, I mean, at some point you have this uh, sort of a counter uh, counter terrorism, terrorism, if you wish. You have these things acting against drones today. I mean, you have these sort of sniffers around airports that try to detect when a uh, a malevolent uh, device starts to approach, and then action is presumably being taken. I mean, you have these things for things like presidential protection and all that sort of thing where, where you try to prevent the airspace around it from being polluted by uh, potentially... Uh, Anton, take a, uh, take a, let's, uh, Anton, let's take a quick break here. We've got a commercial break coming up here. I want, I'm fascinated by this now because I've never even thought about this. Uh, your car could be used as a weapon if it's autonomous. We're, we're going to get to the bottom of this as the show continues. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up. John, this is still in the studio with us. We're talking about uh, self-driving cars, electric cars. Uh, Anton Warman is joining us uh, from the last break. So, Anton, uh, let's pick up this conversation. We're talking about self-driving cars being used as a terrorist 5,000-pound bomb. Uh, ultimately, that that's a scary thing, but I'm sure that our great security administration has already knee-deep in working out what to do. Yeah, right. I don't think they have uh, thought about this thing yet. It's certainly not at the highest levels. Sure, there are people who do scenario analysis and the likes of the CIAs of this world and in various uh, intelligence agencies otherwise that have been thinking about maybe these things, but I don't think that's really part of the public debate yet because, first of all, these sort of level five autonomy cars, you know, where the, the autonomy is total, where you really don't have a person in the car whatsoever, uh, those cars aren't ready yet. For all the talk about self-driving cars, and of course tomorrow Tesla's having its large demo day in Silicon Valley, where they're going to show whatever something. They haven't said exactly what they're going to show, but clearly there's something in the direction of autonomy that they're aiming to show. We'll find out tomorrow. Uh, so for all the talk of, of there being progress in that direction. There just isn't a car today that can drive itself whatsoever. There's only one car in the market where you can legally take your hands off the wheel for some amount of time, and that's the Cadillac CT6. And uh, you can take your eyes off the road, and then nothing else uh, comes close to that. So uh, until there really is an object out there that can actually perform in that sort of uh, scenario-threatening manner, I think that uh, the public debate will will uh, sound just a hair esoteric, but hey, somebody's got to be first. Look around the corner, and uh, I've been raising the issue for a couple of years now, and uh, a couple of years down the road, maybe uh, this debate will blossom. Uh, we should clarify that a bit because, I mean, I know you can take your hands off the wheel in vehicles uh, in stop and go traffic, right? Like Mercedes Benz and and BMW. Well, you can technically you can't, but you can't legally do it. But you you they've demonstrated that it can be done, but you're not supposed to. I mean, the thing says you got to keep your hands on the wheel. The car is capable of handling a situation in which you fail to do so for a few brief moments, a few seconds, or whatever. But I I, I have video. I have video. Your, uh, Anton, I have video sitting in traffic of the car driving itself and in, in a BMW X5. Uh, where oh, sure. I mean, it, 
yeah, it can be done. I'm just not. I'm saying that the manual states that you're not supposed to do that, and the law says you're not supposed to do that. But yes, it can be done. So we're no idea. in this funny little gray zone. Yeah. I uh, know manuals are sometimes they get in the way of driving cars. Uh, so, I mean, the Cadillac Supercruise, and then just to remind people, the CT6 is the car they just discontinued last year or the beginning of this year. Well, they haven't discontinued it. They've said that they aim to discontinue it. They they gave it another six months lease on life here in the in the short term. They were going to discontinue it manufacturing September 1st. Now they say they're going to produce it for another few months after that. That is in the factory in Hamtramck in Detroit, but they're still going to continue to producing it in their Chinese factory where the car will continue to be made for the foreseeable future. Best, right. Yeah, one of the best cars out there, I think. And they may be moving it to another factory so they can build it for another couple of years. Yeah. I still, I That's right. In the U.S., they, they could, you know, I think that is exactly the plan in that it's very hard to replace that car because it's such an important vehicle in the Cadillac lineup and the thing was pretty new and everybody agrees that it's fresh drives great and really doesn't have a whole lot of downside so yeah it, it does it has a huge uh, downside you know, crazy huge downside it's mm -hmm. way too expensive <laughs> it's like ninety thousand dollars odd to get the one with the super cruise the self-driving feature or is it yeah, starts well, to yeah, yeah before discounts obviously but no the thing isn't cheap if you want all the belts and whistles but it does compete in the, the highest of the sort of high-end uh, premium sedans and those uh fully loaded uh, tend to go for amounts sometimes much greater than that all right let's jump back to to what we started talking about because you know we're we're like children we can't keep our, our head in one on one place so self-driving cars uh this this tesla explodes in the and the underground garage in shanghai with, with what appears to be no interaction from anywhere uh has tesla responded to this no, they have not. I think Elon Musk himself has been probably far more busy dealing with the SpaceX debacle, which is uh, really serious and material on the, that other company that he is a uh, CEO. So I think uh, there really hasn't been any response that I've seen yet regarding this particular incident. Obviously, it needs to be investigated. I mean, nobody really knows precisely what caused this thing yet. I mean, was it a, whatever, a leak, uh, is it cooling uh, uh, fluid that went through the battery that went poof was it something else nobody knows yet so uh, that investigation will need to occur first before we can really uh, draw any conclusions on that okay uh you know you sent me a note earlier on today which which goes with what we've been talking about and that is that uh, you know ford who have been considered in the past as being a junk a junk share uh, you know, their, their shares got so low um, and they, they weren't doing so well. Uh, you, you know, you sent me a note saying that they're finally turning the corner on replacing a lot of their vehicles with SUVs. We saw the Corsair at the, uh, the New York Auto Show. Uh, that is a, a great move in the right direction. But uh, you know, they also have the new uh, Explorer and the Expedition. To me, one of the best cars in its class. Amazing piece of machinery. Uh, and new nameplates. We still have two SUVs to come from the Lincoln side. They said six in total. We've seen four. Uh, so we're expecting uh, two new ones. Uh, the Ranger, the upcoming Bronco, uh, they're having a an amazing time at Ford. Uh, but it's not been without some struggle. No, so basically they're undergoing a transition now that really is the equivalent of what Fiat Chrysler started a handful of years ago when they started getting rid of their lousy performance cars like the Dodge Dart and the Chrysler 200 and all of those things that made no profit whatsoever for them. And they started replacing them with a greater portfolio of various classes of trucks, 
Jeeps and uh, pickups and, uh, and SUVs. And, and Ford is now doing essentially the same thing with the Ranger having come online here just a few months ago, the Bronco being no more than about a year away. And, uh, and we have all of these new lines of SUVs, much improved, much better SUVs, both under the Ford uh, label as well as under the uh, Lincoln brand. And uh, a couple of them have just hit the market. Others will come online in the fall and a couple of them uh, starting you know, early next year. So as, this, as they go, un- go through this transition, they're getting rid of these cars where they were losing money. Uh, these All of these cheap cars and cars that were just not quite competitive, even though they were pretty okay compared to what they've had in previous decades, but they were still not good enough to make money for Ford. But you know that on a Ford Ranger, Ford makes a decent amount of money. And with Ford coming up now reporting earnings here in the next few days and weeks, they're probably going to start telling a story of soon being able to turn the corner on improved profitability. And I think that's the key point, especially for their home North American market. Let's let's talk about the Bronco, probably the most anticipated car. Uh, do you think do you think it's the the build up to this is too long? Because I'm sure as heck need to see that car soon. Uh, we've been teased it. I've been at events. There's we've heard about some people that have had walkarounds of the vehicle. Uh, we know that there's probably four different Broncos coming: uh, a Mini Bronco, two and four door, and a Maxi Bronco, two and four, uh, which would go something along the lines of the whole history of Bronco sort of re-released. Uh, we we've seen sketch rough sketches. It looks very much like a Land Rover Defender. Um, which would make sense since uh, that's what everybody wants to see right now. Plus, uh, Ford used to own Land Rover at one point, and a lot of the technologies seen in modern Fords were the sort of technology that was seen in Land Rovers uh, a few years ago. So why is it taking them so long? We were promised the spring, then we were told the summer. We weren't promised anything. They have never actually officially said it would be here, but we were rumored to be the spring. It was rumored to be the summer. Then the LA Auto Show. That is now off the table. And now they're saying the first time we'll see it is the beginning of the year at probably some special event in Detroit or at the Chicago Auto Show. Uh, are they overstaying the amount of length that we should be waiting to see this car? Are, are they again, killing some of the brand because it's taking them so long to get this vehicle out? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things there. First of all, A, they should have started earlier in this whole thing. They should have seen this coming many, many, many years earlier. So that was a mistake. But once you have the development pipeline, um, I don't know how wise it is to start teasing people multiple years in advance. That may have been a bit too ambitious. I mean, I, like you, is, is starting to get a little bit tired about hearing about this thing now that is always the kind of 18 months out. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I fully agree with that sentiment. But I think the actual product, what we know and what we sort of have been seen and what they have been teased with this thing, makes a lot of sense. There'll be a body on frame, larger one. Uh, which will be sort of uh, coming off of the Ranger, uh, kind of an SUV off-road version of a Ranger. And then you have a kind of a soft rotor, which will be body on and a unibody, which will be a little bit less uh, sort of tough. Uh, and I think those will complement each other very well. I and mean, I think that's really where the consumer is going. But uh, you know uh, what uh, General Douglas MacArthur said back in the 1940-whatever-nine or whatever it was, when he said that behind every uh, uh, lost battle there are two words too late and uh that goes here as for every, every everywhere else i mean um, jeep has done a terrific job with the jeep wrangler uh and now with the jeep gladiator 
And now Ford really should have been at the table years ago already. Of course, we could say the same thing about GM. GM has really not done way too little in this field, and GM had the Hummer brand. Now they killed it, which was crazy. But then after they yeah, killed but, but it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't it wasn't a crazy idea when they killed it. They were in trouble, right? Well, true. It, yes, but you know, after they came back from the bankruptcy, and remember, GM has done pretty well since about 2014. Profits have been improving. They've cleaned everything up. They should have brought uh, that back, basically. And instead of doing that, now Jeep comes out and milks this thing for all that it's worth with the new Jeep Gladiator, which is really a terrific product that has an image like nothing else. That really is the true son of the original Hummer from 1992, and. Uh, I think that they will milk that uh, for a lot of dollars here for the, at least the next year or two. Do you think that uh, you know, this will be what Ford needs to replace a lot of the vehicles that it said goodbye to this year? A lot of the vehicles it said it's, you know, it, it really shaved down its portfolio. Do you think the Bronco is going to fill that gap and, and push them higher in the sales uh, category? Because that's what they really need right now. Yeah, uh, vehicles like the Fiesta, for example, are are going out the window here, and they're being replaced by what Americans really uh, are buying right now, which is uh, squarer, taller, more upright vehicles that are looking sort of more macho off-road and upright, and uh, they're going to where the consumer has now gone in the last small handful of years, and uh, Ford simply should have moved earlier with this shift. And now, of course, we'll see to what extent that they are too late to the party on this. I don't think they're too late, but they're later than they should have been. Anton Warman, where can we read the majority of your work, Anton? Yeah, majority of it at SeekingAlpha.com and a minority of it at TheStreet.com. All right, I love talking to Anton because uh, my mind expands. Now I'm seeing uh, self-driving cars as uh, possible exploding bombs. Uh, he'll be on, of course, next week uh, to talk to the latest developments. John, thanks for being in the show today or on the show, uh, New York Auto Show. Final words about the show. Well, it's going to be interesting to see whether auto shows continue like they used to. Yeah, day two was a little disappointing, and there was everything from one scale to the other. Cars that they'll make 55 versions of and cars that they'll make uh, 300,000 versions of. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it's very good. And, Jen, uh, we, what are we looking forward to on next week's show? You don't know surprise. yet. Is it? Yeah. All right, you wrap it up and <clears throat> yep. send it to me. I will. Uh, we'll see what. Of course, we're on a lot of social media channels. You can find us at ourautoexpert.com where you can read a lot of the latest car reviews and you can follow us on most social media uh, platforms. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're, of course, uh, the radio show. You can listen back to many different versions of this show uh, at ourautoexpert.com. We also have a tech website for car tech information, testmiles.com. You can read that and of course we'll see us on tv all the time we'll see you next time right here on our auto expert i'm nick miles thanks to john and jen